Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Sal Vetri Show. The DFS clip that you're about to hear, it originally aired on my YouTube channel, so buckle up, get your ears ready, and enjoy. Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel. It is 5.27 a.m. East Coast time, Wednesday, October 2nd. I'm going to break down this Thursday night football slate between the Seahawks and the Rams, Los Angeles Rams. It's a pretty good slate, right? Last week we had a good Thursday night football, Packers and the Eagles. That turned out to be a really good game. Hopefully we get something like that from this. And also to mention, DraftKings has a 400000 to first prize pool. Look. It was, I think, last week, maybe the week before, where there was a 300,000 prize pool to first for the first time on just a random Thursday night. Then they do it for every other slate since then for Showdown. Now they have $400,000 to first. I'm assuming that's going to lead to a lot more interest, not only for casuals, right, playing the slate, but also just professionals knowing that, sure, I mean, 100000 200000 to first for these Showdown slates is obviously fantastic money, but um, now there's even more incentive to want to be playing them and wanting to be getting different and entering 150 lineups, right, because there's so much money to take down. I think it makes these tournaments harder, for sure, right? If you have more professionals in it, just more people in general for a bigger prize pool, it's going to make them harder. Um, but I think that also means that it's even more important now more than ever to, to really zone in and focus in on things. And look, there's a ton of luck that comes to banking a 400000 person tournament. If you're entering multiple lineups, though, there's some skill to it. And if you're trying to get different and you're watching this video, you have more skill than the average show just playing in these lineups. But again, loads of luck. But we're trying to factor out as much of that as we possibly can here. So welcome to the channel if you're new here. My name is Sal Vetri. I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, MLB, WNBA, and NBA streets. Appreciate you tuning in. We just crossed 11,000 subscribers. We crossed 10,000 a week ago today. Uh, And for the rest of this week, I'll be doing $100 off my daily fantasy course. So if you want that, just comment down below that you want the coupon for it, and I'll shoot it your way. Thank you all so much. We did a giveaway last week. Reach out to the person in the comment section. So appreciate you all. So, so much. Hit the subscribe button if you get any value from this. And also, if you want to play me, I'm, I'm going to do a listener league over on Drafters. Um, it's only going to be 12 people for this week, and we're going to see how it does. If it fills really early, I'll start another one up, um, and maybe we'll go bigger next week. But 12-person listener league over on Drafters.com. Um, if you haven't heard of them, I've been promoting them and really uh, partnering with them on this channel since the get-go, a year ago, really, for the most part. So, Go check that out. You'll get, if you enter promo code SAL50, S-A-L-5-0, you'll get a 50% 50 deposit bonus match on up to $25. So you enter $20 in, you'll have 30 in your account, right? 50% uh, deposit bonus match up to $25. And what drafters is, it's a live snake draft that you're allowed to swap players out after if they get hurt. Um, And it's pretty much the 12 of us will be in there acting like it's a snake draft, except we're just snake drafting for one week. It's a pretty cool format. I would say a very, very cool format. Um, And it's my favorite place to kind of do the live snake draft style. So if you want to get in there, there's 11 spots left. I'm the first one in. There's a link down below. And then if you're not already on there, you can take advantage of that, that promotion uh, for the 50% match. That's linked up down below. I'll talk more about that on the stream um, uh, come tonight or whenever you're watching this Thursday night. Um, and I'll be live at 6.30 p.m. East Coast time to talk about this slate. So check that out. That'll be all linked up in the description as well as some of my exclusive content over on Patreon. So without further ado, Let's get into this slate. So as you can see right here, this is this is a slate where there's definitely interests of mine in terms of I have an 11-person player pool, but if you're used to watching my content, usually there's 15, like 15 or so on these showdown slates, and usually like there's some difficult choices. You have a team in the Rams that they just have no depth. Like, sure, they have depth on their team, but they just don't use that depth, right? Josh Reynolds is their 
quarter, a wide receiver four. And yeah, people know him because he played last year, but he played last year because Cooper Cup was injured, right? They, they only run three wide receivers. These three wide receivers play 90 plus percent of the snaps. Um, so far this year, you have Josh Reynolds running 10 routes per week. He, he's an afterthought I wrote down here in this offense. Um, you don't really have much else down here. You have Luke Wilson for Seattle, who's just a blocking tight end. He's played less than two, he's ran less than two routes per week. Nobody really wants that. Um, you have lots of players down here like CJ Proceis, who Rashad Penny is due likely to be back. Week two, when CJ Proceis, Rashad Penny, and Chris Carson are all healthy, uh, CJ Proceis only plays 13% of the snaps, right? He's seen a bulk increase to his snaps, one, because last week in week three, Chris Carson fumbled once again and was sort of half benched in that game. And then this past week, he doesn't see all that many snaps as Carson holds onto the ball about 20% of the snaps. So with Rashad Penny coming back, I think CJ Proceis is pretty much an afterthought in this offense. So it's pretty thin on the, the Ram side in terms of like who the actual playable people are in terms of getting to a player pool. And then it's pretty thin even on Seattle side, right? Um, in terms of knowing that Chris Carson is going to be probably the main guy, even if Penny does come back. Um, they've been harping on that for the past week and a half, that he's the main guy trying to keep his confidence level up. And he did nothing but absolutely dominate and break 21 tackles last week um, to kind of prove that and hold on to the ball for sure. And it showed the extra sec- ball security during the game. You know Tyler Lockett is the main option. And then outside of that, you're going to have D- DK Metcalf lining up for almost every single snap on the left side of the field. And then you're going to have Dron Brown on the right side of the field lining up for almost every single snap when they go three wide receivers, um, 11 personnel. So that's kind of the, the high level of this, right? So let's get down into each specific player that I have interest in. This is all subject to change come 6.30 at night. And if you join on the live stream, you can see where my decisions are. Last time on the showdown on Monday night, I played 50 lineups. Um, and it went pretty well. Jalen Samuels, I manually bumped down. Um, if I didn't do that, it probably would have went better. So starting it off with Russell Wilson, yeah, it's just a good spot. Look, this Rams defense was something that I probably made a big mistake on in week four, just assuming that they were a good defense. Now, I think Marcus Peters is still good. Last year, he wasn't. This year so far, he has been. Um, but outside of that, um, Coleman in the slot, Aqib Tlaib on the other side is just terrible for a cornerback. And then they've had injuries, they've had people leave, and it's really just Aaron Donald up front for the most part. And outside of that, there's not much on this defense. And they were really hidden by playing a Drew Brees team that were the Saints. He left early. Playing Cam Newton, who was injured now, we know that week one. And just playing teams in general that um, were not the greatest of offenses at all and didn't have their quarterback at full health or even in the game. So now Russell Russell Wilson comes to town. And, and also you get to see last week, finally, a quarterback stays in the game with a good offense and Tampa Bay just shreds them apart. And James Winston does that. Um, so now you get Russell Wilson in here who instead of playing as a five, six point favorite like he did last week, where historically Pete Carroll teams when they're favorites will just run the ball nonstop, i.e. Chris Carson going nuclear last week for 20 plus touches and over 100 yards by a wide margin. Um, but now you get them as pretty much a toss em, a pick em. They came in as one point underdogs. They're now, last time I checked, one point favorites. So it's pretty much a toss up game. It's a neutral game script instead of one that says, ooh, run the ball more with Chris Carson against the Rams defense that just got shredded apart and played the most plays that they've played um, so far on defense in any game by 15. That's a bounce back spot for sure for Russell Wilson uh, in this passing game in terms of not being that effective and really relying on the ground the last time. And then you have also that the Rams are going to struggle to generate pressure. You already have Russell Wilson, one of the best players in the league in terms of evading uh, the rush. Deshaun Watson is one of these players. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is one of these players. Just evading the blitz and being able to make things happen when pressured. Now you're not going to pressure that guy, a guy who's running much more this year. I'm already two rushing touchdowns on the year. Both came in one week. Averaging about 20 rushing yards per game, which is much more than he did last year. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson is the play at quarterback if you are going to take one. I usually do recommend taking a quarterback. He's obviously the highest priced player for a reason. 
um, is because a lot of people are going to have interest in taking him after what Jameis Winston just did. Uh, but I do like Russell Wilson here at 10-6. I guess I'll briefly touch on Jared Goff as he's a maybe, but probably leans towards a no for me. So I'm only going to end up picking one of these quarterbacks. I mean, they're the two highest priced players in the slate, and I don't want to have, although rostering two quarterbacks, I would say is viable, um, it's not likely to take something down. And the big reason why is they don't score that many points relative to wide receivers and running backs. Wide receivers and running backs, for the most part, if they have a good game, will score just as much, if not more fantasy points for cheaper. Um, and then when you're rostering both Goff and Russell Wilson, it's just really hard to pay 20800 for two players that don't have that ceiling upside um, unless it turns into a complete shootout. But even then, their wide receivers are probably having good games to be into the lineup. So it's just a spot where Jared Goff's on the road, right? Jared Goff is on the road going to Seattle. Like, there's not many places, maybe Kansas City. There's not many places, um, New England, that it's it's that just hostile, I would say, in a tough environment to play him. Um, and we know Jared Goff's road splits, home and road splits. He's a top 10 quarterback this year when playing at home. Again, small sample. But even in his career for the last year and a half to two years, top 10 quarterback at home. Um, and he's been outside the top 15 on average when he's on the road. And it's, it's by a wide margin. It's like finishing 29th, 24th, 28th, right, in his last few starts. I still think this Seattle secondary is pretty suspect, right? Uh, week one, they get torched by Zach Taylor's new offense with the Bengals. Then they get to face a a Mason Rudolph Steelers team who just threw 17 out of 30 attempts to running backs last week to have a good game. Uh, then they get to face a Teddy Bridgewater team um, for the Saints, right? They get to face all these teams. And then last week, they face Kyler Murray, who has clear struggles in the passing game. And that air raid is very horizontal and not down the field. Um, so I still have suspect when they play a good team, which is what they're getting right now albeit another instance where Jared Goff is not good on the road, but the secondary is not as good as it once was, in my opinion. You do have uh, Griffin, Shaquille Griffin, who's becoming like a shutdown corner out there. Um, the run defense, I believe, is elite. Um, so that is what kind of concerns me with trying to play a Todd Gurley, which we'll get to. But yeah, I, I don't have as much faith in the Seattle secondary as probably most people do. But even then, I don't have much faith in Jared Goff on the road. So I'm going to choose Russell Wilson there as of right now. Cooper Cup, it's hard not to like the guy. Look, I, I know you can you can get cute. You can get away from Cooper Cup because he's expensive and, oh, he can't keep this up. But he's number two in the league in targets right now. He's the leader in yards per route run on this team by a wide margin. And he has a matchup advantage coming out of the slot. That's why he's been dominating the first four weeks of the year. What, three straight 100-yard games? The man is averaging over 10 um, targets per game. Fifteen Coming off of a 15-target game, albeit Jared Goff throws 68 times, right? Um, but this is the thing that's going to happen here, right? Ready? This is a very good Seattle run defense. I mean, there is a lot of studs on this run defense. You still have Bobby Wagner. Um, you still have Flowers, who comes down and crashes on the run a lot and is very effective at that. You still have KJ Wright. You still have Jefferson. You still have Fort. These are all very good run-stop players, um, and they're going to stop, for the most part, in my opinion, Todd Gurley and his tracks in the backfield. This is going to have to probably become a one-dimensional offense, which makes Jared Goff somewhat intriguing and definitely intriguing on a slate where it's just one game, um, but it makes his pass catchers even more intriguing than they usually are when you're not going to be able to establish any sort of run. We saw that last week. Tampa Bay has a stout run defense as well, and they stopped all the running efforts early, right? And they made it a one-dimensional team when they got ahead. So Cooper Cup, I do like a 9,600. Again, he's for the fifth straight week, starting from week one till now. I've said he would be the guy that I want to target. There's no secrets that Jared Goff is literally force-feeding him the ball. On average, just second two second in targets in the entire league behind only Keenan Allen. So yeah, Cup at 9,600 is completely fine. Tyler Lockett at 9,400. These are the guys that I would want to be getting pieces of. Look, he gets a matchup against Robbie Coleman in the slot, who Chris Goblin just torched for over um, 172, 172 yards and two touchdowns last week, where Goblin primarily lined up out of the slot. The only difference I would say is that Goblin's a much bigger receiver than Tyler Lockett. And then Goblin had a much 
bigger size advantage over Robbie Coleman last week. But that being said, Lockett's going to be running out of the slot for about two-thirds of his routes, maybe even more. We saw him run 80% of his routes out of the slot week three, um, so maybe even more. And you're going to get a beneficial matchup, like we just said, against the secondary, especially when it comes to the safeties that are pretty porous. So Tyler Lockett at 9,400 and also a bounce back spot and a spot where he was also, I mean, just a rising tide, what rises all boats, whatever that, whatever the hell the saying is last week, did the opposite. Um, that passing game was not that effective because they just didn't use it that much. They got up to a 20 to three lead. I don't expect that this week. Chris Carson is interesting uh, for sure. Even if Rashad Penny's coming back, I think Rashad Penny sees what 30% of the snaps at most. And I don't even know if that's the case. I think you probably see somewhere like around a 10% snap split for um, CJ Procise, 20% for Penny, and then you get 30 or 70% or so for Chris Carson. And even if Carson's come down to 60, 65%, I think most of the time when he's out there, he'll be touching the ball. Um, it's just a matter of how do you like targeting Chris Carson against this Rams run defense? Um, I think it's it's better. It's better than targeting the other side of this Todd Gurley against Seattle's run defense. So he'll be the main um, back after holding onto the ball and breaking up week high 21 tackles last week he's going to be involved in the receiving game and he's going to get all the red zone work for the most part you'll have Rashad Penny for sure out there spelling him maybe up to 25 percent of the time but if Rashad Penny's out there more I imagine CJ Proceis is out there less so Chris Carson as long as he doesn't fumble the ball which is definitely a risk like he got through one week without doing it but if he fumbles there's a really quick chance that Rashad Penny just sees majority of the snaps CJ Proceis sees more snaps and you're just sitting with a Chris Carson who touches the ball six times with one fumble on the day Um, but if he's not that type of guy I like his dual threat capabilities in a game that's going to call for more passing i would prefer tyler lockett but also so does the price right the price kind of indicates that with a 1200 dollars difference this is where it starts to get interesting you have robert woods you have brandon cooks the next two rams wide receivers where i would project a lot of pass attempts once again for jared goff above 40 in this game and they're a lot cheaper than cooper cup um, so it makes it interesting to see how you want to design your lineups if you want to leave money on the table or just get up to another good player if, is that extra 1600 or even 1800 dollars from cup to Cooks worth it. And I think in some cases, it definitely is. Whoops. Um, Robert Woods is still going to see seven to eight targets a game, albeit his matchup is going to be the toughest. He's probably going to get Shaq Griffin on the outside, who right now is one of PFF's top cornerbacks, who's becoming quickly since the middle of last year, a shutdown corner. So you're going to get a consistent Robert Woods, but it's not the matchup he had last week against the Bucks. Um, now he's going to have a much more difficult matchup in a secondary where, yes, I am suspect, but if there's one spot I'm not suspect on in the secondary, it's Griffin. Um, I do believe he's becoming an elite cornerback, and I do believe he will be on Robert Woods. On the other side of that, I think Brandon Cooks would be my second. If not, um, I'll still say Cup is my favorite Ram as of now, but at the price point of 7,800, you're going to get the best matchup for Cook against Flowers on probably the left side of the field. And Flowers has been giving up over a 66% completion percentage, already allowing 200 touchdowns, two touchdowns, wow, 200, two touchdowns on the year. And he's averaging, I think, 70 yards per game to his receiver that he's given up. So you're getting a projection. I mean, obviously, we're using a small four-game sample size, but on average, he's allowing you to have 70 yards and a half a touchdown per game, let's just call it. Now, Brandon Cook's home road splits are very similar to Goff's. He's much worse on the road. Um, But when you have a very, very beneficial matchup, sometimes that um, pulls it out, right? I mean, we literally just saw this two weeks ago when the Rams took Sunday Night Football, I believe, when they had, actually, it might have been Monday Night, um, when they played the Browns, who had an injured secondary. When you have a beneficial matchup with good cornerbacks and a solid QB, or good wide receivers and a solid QB, you see Cup go off. You see Woods have an okay game, and then you see Cooks go off, a guy who's not usually going off on the road, still gets over 100 yards. So I would rank it for this slate, um, probably Cup, Cooks, and then Woods. But it's really close, honestly, to be Cook, Cooks, Cup, and then Woods, just due to the price point, like $1,800 savings. If you're really struggling to build out a lineup and an extra $800 can get you somewhere and leave $1,000 on the table, then I might prefer Cooks. Uh, DK Metcalf at $6,400, just too cheap. Look, he just had a really bad game. Um, He's probably going to get Marcus Peters, which is the concern here. 
If he's lining up on the left side the whole game, you probably get Marcus Peters on him. You probably get Jaron Brown on the right side um, going up against Aqib Talib, which is a fantastic matchup for Brown. And then you have Tyler Lockett in the slot against Robbie Coleman. Um, so this is a tough matchup for DK Metcalf, but he already has seven red zone targets or end zone targets this year. That's very good. Um, that's one of the tops in the entire league, if not the best seven red zone targets So uh, for a wide receiver. So DK Metcalf, at the price point of 6400 since it's so, so suppressed, and we know he's kind of a boomer bust play every single week with a difficult matchup, at least he's at home. Um, I do think, and also just the secondary outside of Peters is pretty garbage, and Peters is not fantastic or a lockdown or a shutdown. He's just a little bit better than average. He's good, I guess you can say. Um, so Metcalf is interesting to me. Will Disley, I had him as a maybe at first, but he's going to be a yes. Look, he's seen five red zone targets this year. Obviously, we know the guy has like, what, four touchdowns already. He's played more snaps last week with Vannon out. He played in the 80% range of snaps instead of playing in the 50 to 55. But don't overcredit that. Like, he still ran 23 routes. So when he was running 50% of the snaps with Nick Vannett there, a primarily blocking tight end that we saw for Pittsburgh, who actually caught a couple balls um, the other night on Monday Night Football, when he was there, he was running only 50-50% routes, Will Disley, and running about, or 50-50% snaps and running about 22 routes week two, 23 routes week three, and they ran 23 routes week four when he saw a bump of 30% snaps. So he's just taking on more blocking responsibilities. He's not running more routes. And that's what you would expect from a guy. It's very similar to what you're seeing from Mark Andrews. He's playing on 50% of the snaps for Baltimore, and he's not increasing his routes run when he um, plays on more of the snaps or even less. He's just out there running routes when he's out there running routes. So Disley's just taking on more blocking responsibilities. Um, so due to pricing, I get a little away from him, I would say. Look, he's 7,600. Give me Brandon Cooks for 7,800 every single time there. I mean, if I'm, if I'm entering 50 lineups, sure, I'm going to get some Will Disley. But if you're entering one, two, three lineups, I much prefer getting to Brandon Cooks and or Robert Woods and probably Chris Carson over Will Disley. I get it. Disley's going to see targets from... Russell Wilson, I completely understand the logic there that he's been a red zone target for him. That they, I think I saw something from Adam Levitan on Twitter that their Bible narrative now, they go to Bible school together, and we know how strong that can be, right, uh, in the DFS world. No, but honestly, Will Disley, he's probably overpriced for this spot. I get it. Somebody's going to get into mentions. How is he overpriced? He has five red zone targets, four touchdowns, because he's touchdown dependent. That's exactly why he's overpriced. You know how variant touchdowns are? Do you really think Will Disley is going to finish this year with 16 touchdowns? No. I'm going to finish this year with 16 touchdowns. So um, if the only reason people are really high on him and playing him at that price tag is because he's scoring touchdowns, well, what happens when the touchdowns go away? Sure, he might catch five catches for 40 yards. Um, but is that nine fantasy points at 7,600 worth it? Maybe. I don't know. But I, I would just rather probably have Brandon Cooks. My maybes, I already talked about Jared Goff. Jerron Brown is actually in a good spot. So this is interesting. So David Moore is on this team. David Moore man, ran his most routes last week. But David Moore's been dealing with an injury, and that's why he's not fully up to speed. He's been playing limited in almost every single game, the last two, really, that he's been playing in so far. So I do have, like, interest in David Moore. And I marked him as a no, but he's only $600. Um, he's getting healthier. He ran 15 routes only last week, though. So he ran, like, 12 routes a week before that. I don't even know if he touches 20 routes this week, which is still a decent amount of routes for the price tag of 600. You probably see him catch one to two balls. It's just, does he get in the end zone with those or are they deep catches? So David Moore, I think is somewhat interesting because he'd be on the field mainly in four wide receiver sets and or if somebody got injured in this game. He'd be then on the field a lot more, but he is still playing limited. I've been checking on his status every single day. Hopefully come Thursday, we get something like, oh, he's 75% or 100% now instead of playing like sub 50% out there and only running a certain amount of routes to try and get his feet back under him is what they've been saying. So it's somewhat interesting for me, but I still prefer Jerron Brown, who will see Aqib Tlaib, who's just been downright terrible. His PFF grades are like in the 40s and 50s for every single game. Once you drop below 60, like 60 for a PFF grade is like, eh, they did very meh, like kind of bad, maybe some good plays. 50s, like, oh, that was a pretty bad game. 40s is like, what was that guy doing out there? Just head on a swivel. Guys were running by him nonstop. And that's exactly what happened last week. Um, 
against the Bucks, and pretty much every single time Aqib Talib has been targeted this year, it has not been that good. So he's the true wide receiver war uh, or three. He's ran 109 routes in four weeks. That's very good. He's averaging, what, 27, 28 routes run per week in an offense that, for the most part, doesn't drop back all that much outside of week three. It was very skewed, Russell Wilson throwing 50-plus times. Gerald Everett is my last interest at 3,200. I just prefer Everett to Higby. Look, can Higby catch a red zone touchdown in this game? Sure, he definitely can. Um, if, I'm, if I'm entering 50 to 150 lineups, I would have Higby shares. If I'm entering one to two to three, which I'm trying to cater more to those people because that's the far majority of you watching this, um, I'm probably going to prefer Gerald Everett over Higby because they're both very cheap. Everett's just playing on what? double the snaps right now he's running 25 and a half routes per week albeit a little bit skewed from when Higby didn't play but Higby's running about half of that Everett's the much more um I would say red zone friendly target whereas Higby is more of like a sticks mover slash run blocker so that's it for that Rashad Penny is not something that I'm probably going to get to look he's playing injured on a short week they said he's good to go I imagine he sees what 30 percent of the workload it's just a matter of do you think Rashad Penny gets into the end zone because he's been very ineffective ineffective in the preseason and in this season outside of his one long touchdown run. Outside of that run, this guy is just bidding stuff behind the line of scrimmage, one of the highest stuff percentages in the league. Todd Gurley, no interest. I, th- I do trust his Seattle run defense. I think it's very good. Um, and really, when you factor that in with him having probably the most difficult matchup in the entire game, maybe, outside of maybe like um, Robert Woods against Griffin, if that's how it matches up, on the outside, uh, Todd Gurley probably has the tough, toughest matchup in the league, but it's not that you're paying 8800 for him. Like, give me $1,000 less Brandon Cooks. Give me $800 less Robert Woods. Give me $600 less Chris Carson in better matchups. Even Tyler Lockett to pay a little bit more. It's, it's a pricing play based on the matchup. I think he's just too overpriced. Both defenses, um, we could break down defenses more in the live stream, including kickers as well. I'll just list them as no's here because I just don't like breaking down one kickers. Like, do you think they score 10 points? Then get them in your lineups. So you should probably, if you're entering 50 to or 20 to 150 lineups, you should probably have some shares of kickers. Um, not a ton, but I don't know, 15%, um, 20%, depending on the night. This is a night that has a higher game total. So I'd say like 10, 15%. Defense is the same exact thing. I would rather get to the Seahawks defense. They're going to be the home favorite as of right now. And you have Jared Goff, who's just not as good on the road. So that's where I'm at right now. I have a player pool right now of 11 players. Usually I like to get it there. I like to have it between 10 and 12 and 13 before the game start. Um, if I was to enter again, uh, I'm going to see. I'm going to see what the exposures look like. If I was to enter 50 to 150 lineups for this thing, um, then I'd probably expand my player pool for sure. I would probably add the defenses in, the kickers in. I'd probably end up having a player pool of, for this slate, 16, 17 players. And I think that's completely fine if you're going to play a ton of lineups. If you're only playing like five, then yeah, having a smaller player pool makes more sense to me. And I'd probably recommend having the same captain. So that's where I'm at right now. I will have my showdown tiers up on Thursday morning for all you Patreon folks. My projections will be out later today on Wednesday on Patreon. Uh, our, our ownership show is Friday. And make sure, go down below in the description, click the link. Promo code is SAL50, 50% deposit match. I'm on up to $25. You enter 20, you get 30. Make sure to click that link um, and join the contest. There's only 11 spots left as of right now of me recording this. By the time you're watching this, there might be one spot left. It's the listener league for me for week five of the NFL season. Over on Drafters, it's going to be drafting at 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday. So it's a set time to draft. So make sure you're available at 10 a.m. on Eastern Time on Sunday morning. I'll be there. We'll be drafting live. We can chat in the box thing, the little box, chat box. I keep flipping this phone. It's wild. All right. Thank you for tuning in. My name's Sal. You can follow me on Twitter at SalBetUDFS. Hit the subscribe button. Love doing these showdown breakdowns. I'll see you all on Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. East Coast time for a live stream for this. So peace out. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.